This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Sha. No, that's for my, he's my uncle tonight, he's lying at home. Okay, the ha ha Pasha Vayera. I don't even know where to start. Um, there's so much. Pasha Vayera, the Malachim, the, it's really, we need three, four weeks for this Pasha, at least. The Akedas Yitzchak. So we'll, we'll try to touch on as much as, as much as, as much as we can. We can stay till 2, 3 o'clock. It's not a problem. Okay. All right. Vayera Elav Hashem Be'elone Mamre. Rashi says, Vayera Elav Levaker Sachayla Avram Avinu was sick the third day of his bris. HaKadosh Baruch Hu appeared to be Levaker Chayla. Interesting. Somebody asked me today, why did Hashem have to appear? This is a great question. I gave him an answer, but I'm not sure it's, it's the right answer. Are you ready for a great question? Why did Hashem have to be Mavaka Chayla? Why did Hashem just make it that he didn't get sick after the Brismila? Right? Hashem, because Baruch Hu helped do the Brism, by the way, if you look at Rashi, which is so important. I, I, let me, let me before, before we get to that question. It's a great question. Hashem came to Mavaka Chayla. One second. Mavaka Chayla, you are to take away a 60th of the person's sickness. But you're God. You don't got to come and take away 60. You're coming and saying, okay, enough. Third day, it's gone, it's over. What? Of course it's a lesson. We're going to learn the lesson. That's why I'm asking the question. Of course it's a lesson. We know that Hashem could have, could have healed him. That's Abraham Avinu. But the whole Mavaka Choyla is to make the person feel better. So take away the whole thing. Okay. So, well, of course the answer, everyone here knows the answer. The answer is that Kosh Baruch Hu wants to teach us. You have to remember that Bereshis is the basis of the whole Torah. So Kosh Baruch Hu wants to teach us the mitzvah of Bikr Chaylam. So therefore, if you would have made him better, where would you learn the mitzvah of Bikr Chaylam from? So over here, Kosh Baruch Hu is showing you the importance of Bikr Chaylam is that it was so important that he didn't heal him, but he came on the third day like any other person would show up, to be Mavaka Chaylam of Ramavinu. And Ramavinu showed Hashem... Now, you think that's important. It's more important to, to do chesed. So he got up while in the middle of Hashem was talking to him, came to visit him, right? He was telling, whatever he was telling him, I don't know if he was telling him jokes, but I, mean, I don't think he was telling him jokes, but whatever he was telling him, hold on, God. You know, hold on, like you have a beep in your phone, like, hold on, there's someone else calling. Imagine, telling Hashem. Hold on, there's a bunch of Arabs waiting, they need, they, you know, I gotta go. But we learned from that, that the Baruch was showing the importance of, of, of being Mavaka and Avraham Avinu was showing the importance of Gimiyaz Chassan that's even bigger than being Mavat which is a very big lesson. But we're not going in that direction tonight. I want to I just read you a Rashi that people read, and it doesn't, doesn't really hit them at all. I'm going to try not to be graphic, but I have to explain the Rashi. I don't want to get any phone calls this week. Um, he says the following. Last week's Pasha, at the end, when, when, when Avraham Avinu had the bris, Says Avram ben Tishim Betesha Shani was ninety nine years old. Behimalo b'sar alasai. Behimalo, right, means sort of that the 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 b'sar alasai, the skin when it was when it was gemalid. Doesn't sound like that. Avram Avinu. Who did the bris? Who was the who was the mile? Was there a mile in those days? Who was the mile? So we know, listen to this Rashi, it's an amazing Rashi, it's an important lesson to every guy, every person in this room. Listen carefully, the lesson that you think it is, is not what it is. Says Rashi, Notal Avraham Sakin, Avraham took the knife, right, what do they call that, the scalpel, okay. V'ochazber Olaso, and he held on to the piece of skin that he had to cut off. V'ratzolachtoi, and he wanted to cut this piece of skin off. He had a mitzvah to do a bris milah, right? And he became very scared. Why? Because he was a very old man. And his hands were shaking. And he's giving himself a bris. This is not a joke, right? So he couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. He became scared. Avram's a human being. He always thinks he's a malach. He's a human being. He can't do it. Right? What happened? What a Neuidic Rashi. This is like, this Rashi is life. So what Hashem do? So now you have this guy, right? Abraham Avinu, the biggest tzaddik. He's 99 years old. He's giving himself a circumcision. His hands are shaking. He's 99 years old. He's like, I, I, I can't do this. 
But if he doesn't do it, no one else can do it. There's no moil, right? What did Hashem do? Shalach Yadai. Hashem sent down his own hand. God sent down his own hand. The Ochaz Imoi. And he didn't do the bris. Same question. Hashem didn't do the bris. Okay, Hashem do the bris. He's not, Hashem's hand's not going to shake. It's going to be a, a surgery with, with no blood. Well, let's have a little blood by a bris, but a perfect surgery. No, I said Hashem. No, I don't do that. I'll hold on to your hand. If you put your hand there on the knife and you want to do something, Hashem says, I'm not going to do it for you, but I'll hold your hand. It's a Rashi. So he held on to the hand of Abraham Avinu. Shanam, I like it. We say every morning, the Chorais Imoy Habris. You don't know that that's when you say that every morning. What is the Chorais Imoy Habris? He cut with him the bris. Hashem was holding on to Abraham Avinu's hand. Right? Loi loi nema eleimoi. Right? It doesn't say v'choras loi habris. Hashem cut for him the bris. Hashem doesn't do that for you guys. V'choras imoi habris. You have to be willing to put your hand to, to, to start the action. You can't do the whole thing yourself. And sometimes we feel that God isn't in our life. So many people in this room feel like, yes, when I was young, I had a connection. Now I don't have a connection. It's just the Yet Sahara. He's selling you that. Just put your hand, try to make, try to do what's right, and you will see, no, there's not going to be a miracle. Then all of a sudden, you know, you decide you're not talking to girls anymore. That's it, I'm done. Right? All of a sudden you figure, it's going to be a miracle from Hashem, they're not going to call me no more. That's it, they're going to lose my number, and the one that's bothering me the most, her phone's going to fall into the toilet. It's going to be ruined. She's going to lose my number. Not miracles. You have to do it. You have to say, I'm erasing her number from my phone. Then Akash Baruch will find her somebody else to bother with. But it has to be v'achazimo. You have to work together with Hashem. You can't do it alone and you can't expect Him to do it for you. And that's what it says here in this Rashi. And it's a gracious rabbi. He brings it down from, from, a, from a Rashi Yashe. So, it's a lesson over here. A neuridic lesson. That if you want to do something and your hands are shaking, it doesn't mean just your hands are shaking. You feel like, I can't do this. God, I'm going I'm to fall on my face. I'm going to make a fool out of myself. If you really want to do the right thing, then HaKadosh Baruch Hu will help you. He will hold on to your hand. It's like a, it's like a romantic, like uh, Rashi. It's like, you know, God's hand came down. No, it's, it's, like, it's like, you know, something they would write, you know, God's hand came down and, you know, they have the whole thing with the footsteps. You know, if there's one, two sets of footsteps, why is there only one set of footsteps? So they write, because God picked you up, so it's his footsteps. And everyone starts crying. Oh, that's so poetic. And so, here's a Rashi. Your hand is shaking, God will hold your hand. It's a Rashi. It's a Medrash, it's a Rashi. It's Neuridik. Okay. Th- this was the, the relationship that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has with the person who wants to do the right thing. And, 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 and you know, that's, that's what we really need to know. There is a Medrash. Um, let's see. Can you get me a Medrash Rabbah? In the back, there's a Medrash Rabbah. Medrash Rabbah in Shir Hashirim. If you get me a Medrash Rabbah, Shir Hashirim. It's an amazing story that, I don't know why I'm saying this, this has nothing, to do, this was not prepared at all. I'm really speaking about Chesed tonight. But I guess somebody here has to hear it. Um, it's an amazing Medrash. <coughs> the first Medrash, or third Medrash in Shir Hashirim. And he says a story. He says a story in the times of the Beis HaMikdash don't remember who the room, maybe it was Rav Kahana, I'm not sure. There was a man who was extremely, extremely poor. He had no money. And everybody was taking their gold and their silver and all the stuff down to Yushalayim to, to, to build the base Hamidash. And he had nothing. And he didn't know what to do. So he came up with an idea, the Medrash says. And he went into the mountains and he cut a huge stone, right? A huge stone. And he said, we'll use the stone to, for, as part of the base of Megdash. But what happened is, when he finished cutting the stone, he realized that he can't carry the stone to Yushalayim. Impossible. It was such a huge stone. So he began to cry. He said, Hashem, Hashem, everyone else is bringing money. I'm already embarrassed. I'm a poor man. I don't have anything. I'm bringing a stone. And now I have a stone that I can't carry. So four malachim showed up. 
I'll never forget this. I didn't, I didn't even look at this medish probably in five years. But it made a very, very big impression on me. So, four Malachim showed up, dressed as, dressed as human beings, and they said to him, put your hand underneath the stone, and we'll put our hands underneath the stone, and we'll bring it to Yerushalayim. He put his hand underneath the stone, they put their hands underneath the stone, and in one second, the Medrash says, in one, if there's no Medrash in there, there's two, there's two volumes. It's, it has Medrash on everything. Okay, I think it's over here somewhere. No, there should be a two-volume Medrash Rabbah somewhere in the middle here. Okay, anyway, I remember the story. So, they put their hands underneath, and it says in one second, he was in Yerushalayim. Now, he didn't have, he, they, had, they had told him that they're charging a small amount of money. First, he tried to hire a bunch of Arabs to carry it, and they asked like $400. He didn't have it. He said, if I had money, I wouldn't, bring, I wouldn't be bringing a rock. I'd be bringing, you know, jewelry. So, these guys, these four guys said they wanted like $10. Now, all of a sudden, he's in Yerushalayim, and they're gone. So he went to Bezdin. He said, the Bezdin, you know, there were these four guys, and one second I was in Chutzlaretz, and one second I'm in Eretz Yisrael, and I told them I'm giving them $10, and I can't find them. What should I do? So Bezdin said, these were not humans. You can't go from there to here in one second. They're not humans. It must have been, it must have been Malachim. So they asked the Shiloh, what do you do? You pay Malachim? You don't pay Malachim. So the Bezdin says, give the $10 to Tzedakah. I saw a parish on this medrash. And the question is, why did he have to put his hand underneath the rock? If there are four angels, he's not carrying the rock anyway. He was an old rabbi, right? If there are four angels and they carry the rock, they should have told him, sit on the rock and we'll carry you to Eretz Yisrael. And we'll be there in two seconds. So the parish, the book I saw that was writing on this said, it was a lesson to everybody. The Malachim were telling him, We'll do miracles. We'll carry a stone that nobody can. But you have to do something towards it. You have to put your hand on the rock, even though it means nothing, right? Just put your hand on the rock, sort of like, you know, you try to push a car out of the snow, right? And the guys are huffing and they're puffing and, you know, whatever it is. And, and, and the guy in the car is sitting there. And you're sitting in the car with the door open. You guys are pushing. He's like, get out of the car. And he says, what am I? I'm 95 pounds. I'm 100 pounds. What am I going to do? You guys can't move it. You gotta give it that one extra inch, that one extra push. When the owner of the car pushes it, boom, the car goes. The Torah says, you see somebody's camel or donkey's full of weight, right? If he helps you, you have to help him. If he doesn't help you, walk away. So, forget about it. So, so, this Rashi is such an important lesson to all of us. Either, we're, we come from two different places. Either we believe, it's God, let him do it. You know, I don't have to do it. Or we believe, I can't do it myself. Those are both wrong. You can't do it yourself, and Hashem won't do it without you. Therefore, a person, when he wants to change, you want to start going to minion, and things are hard, whatever your change in life is, you can't do it yourself. But Hashem's not going to make a miracle for you for it to happen. You have to... to so, when, I, when I saw this Rashi, I don't want to be graphic, but, but what does Rashi have to say that he had to grab on to the piece of skin and he couldn't cut it. What did he say that for? Just say, I, I, his hands were shaking. He said, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. He says, a person has to do a mice. You have to take a step. You, you have to grab onto something. You, you have to do something. You can't even just sit there and say, Hashem, I'm nervous. I've could have said, I'm nervous. I can't do this. Rashi has to say that he grabbed onto the piece of skin and that's when his hands were shaking. His hands were shaking before he grabbed on. Rashi is telling us, you have to do something. He had to do something. If he would have just sat there and said, okay, Hashem, you ready? You know, give me help. Help me out with this situation. Wouldn't have happened. You have to do a Misa. So when a guy wants to change and a guy wants to grow, you have to do something. Something to change. Hashem will hold your hand, but a person has to do something. Okay. That's last week's Pasha. Let's go, let's go to this week's Pasha. This week's Pasha is talking about Chesed. And, and it's very connected to, to the Leviah that I went to today. Amazingly connected. This Mr. Gert, that died last night that the Leviah was today I don't know if you know him but he used to stay in the land house he used to collect money he used to go to weddings by mitzvahs he used to collect money who did he collect money for? not for himself he had nothing he was a, you know he was an old man he didn't need anything he collected money till one o'clock at night he stood in the land house for his kids who were learning in Yeshiva and Israel, and for poor people and here was a man who went through Auschwitz went through the Lutz ghetto went through hell he already went through Gehenna I'm not worried about him he did this. He's going to come up there and like, Gehenim, you did already. You can only, you know, Ganadin you didn't have yet, Ganadin's yours. There's no Shiloh. The man went through Ganadin. I mean, his story is, is, is totally amazing. And my question is, 
Why would a man who goes through Auschwitz, right, who goes through a Holocaust, who lost everybody, who watched, not, he watched where he came from, the city of Lutz, everybody was killed. He watched it get burnt down. He lost everything in the world. Why is the reaction of coming out of a Holocaust becoming a Baal Chesed? What's the connection? What's the connection of coming out of hell, right, and your whole life to one o'clock at night as an old man sitting there collecting money for poor people? What's the connection between the two? And Mamish, this week's parsha, this week's parsha teaches us the connection. It's amazing. It's amazing. And, and, I, and I have to tell you that his whole thing, I don't know if you guys, if he said it to you, he said it to the girls. Baruch Hashem, they didn't understand what the word meant exactly. Um, he said that he was online in, in Auschwitz and Mengele Yemach Shemal, that was the doctor that said left and right and he was the one that, that did, did all types of laboratory tests on women and, and children, all kinds of the most terrible, terrible things that there is in the world. And he said he was online in Auschwitz, he was a young boy and there were, Mengele was in a, in a, Yemach Shemal was in a barracks and they were lined up, he said I want to, all the young people I want lined up, I want them to come into the barracks, nobody knew what they were doing in the barracks and he, he would hear people screaming screaming from this room, but you didn't have a choice, you're in a concentration camp, you lined up, you had to go, they shot you. And one of the men came out of the barracks and he walked past this, this, this uh, Menashe, Gert, he was, a, he was a young boy, he was the youngest guy online. And this person went by and said to him, get off the line. Said, get off the line. He said this over in front of the girls, this story. He told him to get off the line. I can't get off the line. You know, we sort of never when you're in a concentration, you're so programmed that you follow the rules. Even if the rules mean you're going to you walk into a gas chamber, you're so programmed that you're, he says, I can't get off the line. They're going to shoot me. He said, Yunga Bacha. So he told me in Yiddish. He said, Yunga Bacha, it's worth taking your life and you don't want to go into that room. He says, and I went with this man and he sort of covered me. He's a little guy. I don't know if you remember Gert. He was this tall, right? And this was a big guy. And he sort of covered him as he walked by and took him back to his barracks and he was saved. He found out the next day that what was this line? This line was the men were online and what they were doing was they were castrating them. They were taking away their ability to have children. That's what this Mengele was doing. So every guy that walked in there, they castrated them and they made sure they didn't have children. So this Gert got up in front of the girls. Hashem, they didn't know what the word castrated meant. He was, he was crying when he said this. He said, that was a malach. That man was a malach. He says, and he starts naming his children. He says, I have this child, and this child, and this child, and I would have no children. If that man would not have gotten me off the line, I would have never had children. He was my malach, Rabbi Wallerstein. And he says, my revenge to Hitler, Yemach Shemayim, to Mengele, is that my grandson, who's 16 years old, finished Shas. So, this man comes out of such a place, and all he does is chesed? Half the guys in this room are angry at God. You did this to me. You weren't here for me. This rabbi said this to me. I can't believe what's going on in the world. My grandmother died. And all these different stories. Here's a guy who watched his whole town, his whole family. He watched guys get online that he found out the next day will never have children again. And all he does is chesed. Every wedding the man was standing there by the girls just to tell you who he was just, uh, just a, he spoke here before Tisha B'Av, right so you have to hear this here's a, an 85 he must be 85 years old man he came to talk to the girls two years ago on, before, before Tisha B'Av. so he, he stood for an hour and he spoke right he finished speaking and he said I want you to know that there's a thing that a Holocaust survivor who went through Auschwitz and everything and still puts on tefillin that his bracha is a very powerful bracha the Satma Rebbe said after I die, if you need anyone to get a bracha from, find the man that has numbers on his arm, who puts on tillin on that arm, and his bracha is bigger than mine. It's called the passport to Ganeidin. So he said to the girls, listen, I'm not about Gaiva, but you never know. If you need a shidduch, a zivik, whatever it is, I would give you a bracha. He came at 8 o'clock. He finished speaking at 9 o'clock. He stood from 9 o'clock till the 1 o'clock minion by Landau's. I took him, I made the minion by 2 minutes. And he, the girls were lined up from the stage where he was speaking outside till Avenue V. There must have been 300 girls online to get a bracha from this man. 
Now here you have this little man who came out of the Holocaust and he seen him talking to these girls like every one of them was his daughter and, and Hashem is going to help you. Hashem helped me. And I went over to him and I said, Mr. Gert, sit down. Sit down. You're already standing like two hours. Sit down. You don't have to talk to him. He says, Rabbi Wallerstein, to talk to a daughter of God, I should, I should sit down while they're standing? That's not their hearts. Yeah? How we treat the girls. Yeah? A Holocaust survivor. Just, I should sit down while the girl who's talking to me is standing? That's not, that's not covered, Rabbi Wallerstein. That's not their hearts. That's the door who came out of the Holocaust, who if any door can have a tiny, you're not allowed to have a tiny to Hashem, right? But he could say, listen, God, whatever I'm going to do, you, don't gotta, you can't blame me. Look what I saw. You know, your mama, you turned away from us. Right, Shalom. And here's a man who has the biggest chesed in the whole world. And we sit, and we're happy with this, and I'm not happy with that, and I'm depressed, and I got to smoke up, and I got to do this, because life sucks, and life's rough, and life's tough. And this man, instead of reacting like that, he's like, yeah, it was tough and it was rough, and now I'm going to go out and I'm going to make a life where I'm just going to help people and help people and help people. Where does this come from? Where does this come from? It comes from Avraham Avinu. It comes from this week's parsha. Let's take a look at Avraham Avinu. He had a bris mila. He's on his third day. You guys don't remember your bris mila, but it, I, I was, by Rabbi Reich, I, we did bris milas on 46-year-old men. Okay? 46-year-old Russian men. It's Mamash and Akedas, Akedas Yitzchak. Okay? Let me tell you, the third day after that operation, he's not a happy camper. He's not very comfortable. You want to lay in bed, and you want to take a lot of painkillers. And Avram Avinu had no painkillers. There was no Motrin, and there was no Tylenol, okay? And all the other stuff that we take. So he's in a lot of pain on the third day. And, 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 and the, the first three psukim is my whole share. The first three psukim, you have to, the psukim are very careful to tell you what's going on, right? What does it say? Where is he sitting? On the third day of his sickness, where is he sitting? He's not sitting here. He's sitting there. He's sitting by the door of his house. What do you see by the door of your house? You're only going to have problems with the door of your house. Go to bed, get a Diet Coke, something nice and cold. It was 150 degrees in the shade that day, right? Lay down, you don't feel well. You're not chayiv. You're not, you don't have to have people when you're sick. A person who's sick is putter from, from doing this. Right? What are you doing sitting by the door, in the hottest day of the year, sit inside your tent, have your Diet Coke, or whatever it is that's cold, and put a little sign out, not today, I'm sick, closed, the hotel's closed. Or, tell your smile, you got a son, right? He's also, I think, was also on the, probably the third day. He had a brisk on the same day, so he probably wasn't in such good shape either. But he had, he had, he had plenty of servants, and they also had a brisk that day. So let the women take care of the... the, the everybody had a brisk that day, so the same day. So let, let the women take care of the orchim. But he was very, very sick. And the answer is, listen carefully, it's Neuridik. The answer is that he's sicker if he's sitting inside of his house on the third day of his bris he's much sicker, he feels much more depressed than if he's at the door because he wants to see people. He wants to have archim. So the Torah tells you, it's a very big line, Pesach It didn't just happen to be the three Arabs shown up and they knocked on the door and they said, we're hungry. He was there. He anticipated. He's sitting at his door. How many guys in this room have ever seen a man in Flatbush, Park, or anywhere on a Sunday sitting outside his house waiting for the poor people to show up? Yes, we're all tzaddikim. If they ring the bell. So some of us won't say, uh, can't come to the door right now, or my tati's not home. You know, you yourself say, my tati's not home. Or whatever it is, I'm not available. Okay, some of us are really good if they ring the bell and we look in the picture and the guy looks like he's really poor and we make a judgment call. Yeah, maybe we'll go down, but if it's in the middle of the giant game, uh-uh. Or in the middle of the, you know, jet game, it's a mitzvah to go out. But, but in the middle of a good game, forget about it, right? I'm not going to that door. I'm not going to check it out, right? Avram Avinu, imagine on a Sunday, you're sitting outside on your porch. No, we're all poor people. Oh, don't worry. You do that one week. You'll see what's going to be the next week, right? They're going to be lined up. That's what he did. Not Stam. 
sick, sitting at his front porch. No, where is everybody? When Hashem saw that, because when God saw that, God said, he's in much more pain that he can't do chesed than he is being sick. In that case, I have to send him. He needs some customers. So therefore, now listen to this. This is a very big lesson in life. This whole, this whole, in chesed. He lifted his eyes and he saw that there are three people that were standing right there. What's Vayisa'enav mean? You learn this every year. Guys, what does this mean? Vayisa'enav. What does it mean? He lifted his eyes. He, he picked up his eyes. He picked up his glasses. Vayisa'enav. The Pasuk should say, he was sitting in Kachayim Hayyim, Mayar, and he saw, There are three people there. And the answer is, that to help other people, guys, you have to be sensitive to other people. You have to lift your eyes. You have to look at them. You have to look at somebody. People that come sometimes for tzedakah, you don't even look at them. In shul, they come by and you throw a quarter at them. Like, <clears throat> look at them. Look at the person that's coming to you. Well, eye contact means you care a little bit. So, this is just normal things that we don't do. So the Torah tells you, you want to do chesed? The first thing is look. Are you saying, look at him. Lift up your eyes. Because if you don't look like, you can only really see the other person if you are enough. So therefore the Pasuk says, when you lift up your eyes to see the other person's problems and to see their pain, then you're really going to see who it is. But if you're just going to look at them and throw a quarter into their hand, you're not interested in looking at them, then you don't really see what they're all about. In fact, the Pasuk says, Vayar. And then the Pasuk again says, Vayar. And then, Vayar, He looked twice. <coughs> How many times in life do we look twice? When someone needs us. We look once. We give him right away. We're not interested in his story. We're not interested in his pain. We're interested in getting him off our back. I'm not talking about only poor people. I'm talking about anybody. If you're a Rebbe, if, in your job, in your relationship with your friends. What do you need? Okay, let me get him off my back. The Torah tells you here that the first vayar, he didn't run. The first look is, ah, I know my friend needs help. You're not running yet. Look into why he needs help. Look into what's going on in his life. Ask him what's going on in his life. Then vayarats. Then you're going to run. There has to be twice vayar. You have to look twice. At girls, everybody looks twice. No problem. But at other people, nobody can look twice. Nobody has time to look twice. So the Pasuk tells us, Vayar, then Vayarat. And the next Pasuk, and then we'll, I'm going to get into the, the clutch of it. And the next Pasuk is Vayar, he said to these three Arabs, they were not sheiks, they were not from Saudi Arabia. One was a, was a caravan driver, which was a low-life job. One was a sailor. They were low-lifes, right? What does he say to them? Vayar, Adonoi, my master. If I find favor in your eyes, I'll not Please don't pass me. Why wash your feet, and I'm going to give you to eat. Now hold on a second. There's a machloikis when he said Adonai, if he's talking to them that they're a master, or he was talking to Hashem. According to the rabbis that say, three Arabs, three low life Arabs, Avraham. Avinu, Kipshanaish, Bris Mila, the top, the king of the world, everybody, he was of Hamoin Goyim. He was the man. Three lowlifes show up at his door. He runs. He bows. He says, You're godly. You're my master. And then he, he goes ahead and he says these words, which is unbelievable, and he says, if I find favor in your eyes, could you do me a favor and come eat in my house? Not I'm doing you a favor. If you like me, then you'll do me a favor and you'll come into my house to eat. That's Avram Avinu. That's the sweet Pasha boys. That's Chesed. How many of us are even a million miles from this? A million miles? How do you treat your parents? How you would treat your parents a tenth of how Avraham Avinu treated three Arabs. When was the last time you called your parents my master? When was the last time you told your parents 
if, if I find favor in your eyes, could you do me a favor and come eat in my house or, or, or can I help you? We don't talk like that. These are Arabs. So you have to understand, this is, the, this is not a Pasha. This is the basis, the first Sukim in Pasha of Ayera is the basis of all Chesed of Klal Yisrael. And I want to know where did Avram Avinu get this? The same place Mr. Gert got it. In the Kifshan of Esh. He got it in the Kifshan of Esh. Avram Avinu got it in the fire. And Mr. Gert, Allah Shalom, got it in the Auschwitz, in the fire. What am I saying? When a person goes into, Avram Avinu went into the Kifshan of Esh and realized and in one second, he's going to die. He has no life left. He's finished. He's done. At that moment, every person realizes the potential of a human being. When your potential is over, is when you realize the potential that you had. And that is tragedy. That you first realized the potential that you had in this world when you're dead, when you can't do anything about it. If you had a chance after that to live, you wouldn't stop doing chesed your whole life. Because you realize what a person could do in his whole life, and in one second I'm going to lose that? Oh my God, the rest of my life, I just have to give and I have to give and I have to give. I have the power to give. I have the power to help. So Abraham Avinu had to go in the kifshan of Aish first. And once he came out of that kifshan of Aish, he realized that in one second I could have been gone. I'm alive. Come to my house. Eat with me. I'm going to teach you about God. He couldn't sit inside the house. He had to sit at the door. And he had to scream to everyone that came by, Hey, hey, you want to do me a favor? You like me? Come into my house, make a brach. Wash your feet, get rid of your television, all your garbage, because that's a waste of time, and, 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 and hang with me. The problem is that we all realize that at the end of life, sure, the person's never dying of cancer, and, he's got, and, the, and the doctor says, you got a week or two weeks left. Oh my God, what I could have done. Now I only have a week or two left. And I'm too sick to do anything. I walked in there, I thought I'm going to die. Nimrod's throwing me in, I'm dead. And I came out alive. I can't help but do good the rest of my life. Mr. Gert went to a, was online to lose the ability to have children. He watched people go into, he, he cleaned them up the ovens. He saw the end a potential. And he realized if I make it out of this potent, this, this, this world, out of this Auschwitz, how can I do anything else but help people? <laughs> Till one o'clock at night, I can stand in Landhouse. And when there's a bunch of girls online for a bracha, Rabbi Wallstein, he told me, Rabbi Wallstein, I'm not leaving here until the last girl gets a bracha. And I brought him back this year again to speak. And he spoke again this year, but he was very sick. I didn't know that. I wouldn't have asked him to speak. He was very sick for three months. He was in the hospital. He had just gotten out when I had asked him. It was like two weeks before Tishavov. He said, I'm going to ask my wife for a while, but I have to talk to the girls. I have to tell them what happened. I have to give them brachas. He did it again this year. He stood there for three hours to the last girl, and he gave them a bracha because he could have been dead in 1940, and there would have been no girls to give a bracha to. And therefore, every second of life was precious. Baruch Hashem, the guys in this room, you're so young. But you don't know how long you're going to live. None of us know what the next moment is. And therefore, what we need to know is we need to be standing outside by the door and say, how can I help? How can I change this world? How can I change myself? Where's my potential? Don't wait till, till it's over to find out that you didn't live up to what you were supposed to be. So Avram Avinu was jumping. He was excited. He was by his door. Because at the door is the world, is life. I can't stop. People want to know why I give shiurim. I don't know how to say no. How could I say no? This is awesome. This is unbelievable. Hashem's Torah? It's life. What, after 120 years I'm in the ground? That's when I'm going to give shiurim? I'm going to give it shiurim then. With me, you never know. But <laughs> It's a person's potential is while you're alive. You get up in the morning. I keep telling you this, but everyone looks the same. Every, every chabur I give is like... Hey, life, yeah, life sucks. Yeah, Rabbi, lost my job this week. And this, this, this. Hello, who cares? You're alive. You could change the world in a minute. 
You could lift your eyes and see what's going on in a minute. It's unbelievable life. And that's why Avram Avinu was so excited about life. And that's why Avinu fought. Someone asked me this week, why did he fight for Saddam? Somebody sent me an email. Why did he fight for Saddam? They were the biggest risham in the world. They cut people's legs, they cut people's arms, they stretched people, they killed people, they stole, they, they were the most miserable people. He should have died that they should go down. And the answer is to a person who was thrown into a kitchen, an oven of fire, if there's ten good people in that, save the whole city because life is so precious. Guys, life is so precious. And if you can't handle life, put your hand out because Baruch will hold your hand. You've got to show him that you want it. If you don't show him that you want it, and the Yitzhahara's biggest koyach is depression and atzvus, and not to be able to see what's going on, and not to understand. And therefore, Avram Avinu, and I think, when I was preparing this year, I, I got a message, I think, from whatever, I'm not, I'm not a Navi, but when you prepare a shir, the things that come into your head. And I said, now I understand why Akedas Yitzchak, listen carefully, guys, it's a very deep thought, and it's so true. What's the big deal about Akedas Yitzchak, guys? What do you do by Akedas Yitzchak? This week's Pasha. Hashem said, take your son and sacrifice him to me. And this was the biggest Messiah. And we stand on Rosh Hashanah. We stand on Yom Kippur. Hashem, remember Akedas Yitzchak. Remember Akedas Yitzchak. Remember Akedas Yitzchak. Let me ask you something, guys. There's a passage in the Torah that says, you're not allowed to do what Moilech, serving Avayi Zara Moilech. What does Avayi Zara Moilech? They used to bring their children and burn them they used to burn their children to the Avayi Zara. So what's the big deal of Ramavino? The Goyim do it too. And anyone who learned the history, the Incas, the Mayas, the Z, all that whole Hevra, right? Used to do that also. They used to have human sacrifice. They used to bring their own children. So why is Avramavino? It's such a big thing. He did Akedas Yitzchak. The Goyim will say, big deal, Akedas Yitzchak. We do this all the time. We take our kids. Okay, today, today we're not you know, on that level. But in those days, and maybe in, in the Amazon... You know, in the Amazon jungles, they still do it. And maybe in the Congo, they still do it. I don't know. But the Avoid the, the Zara of Mailech was to take your child and human sacrifice. Human sacrifice has been since day one of the world. So what are you getting so excited? What are you getting so excited about? Ramavinu, human sacrifice. The Goyim do it all the time. So that's the Teretz. The Teretz is to tell a person who jumped into a Kivshan of Eish, who knew, who saw that their life was going to end up, to be dead in one second, and therefore understood the potential of being alive, to take that person and tell him to end the potential of his only child is impossible. It's impossible to pass that test. To take a guy who's bringing it as a sacrifice to his idol. Yeah, person throw me, yeah, I served my idol. No big deal. But Avram Avinu, who his whole life, when he was thrown into the kitchen of Aish, and therefore he saw the unbelievable value of life and the unbelievable value of potential that everyone in this room, Baruch Hashem, has. None of you are dead. You're all alive. Everyone has that potential. Everybody in this room. Crazy potential. I hated that word growing up. My rabbis wrote it on the back of my pocket all the time. Walston has potential, but he's never living up to it. And I said, much better just right. I have no potential. My parents won't hit me. Just say he has no potential. He's stupid and we don't expect more. That's the best thing they can write in my epoch, then I'm fine. Potential, potential. My father's business was called Potential Unlimited. So I didn't like that word potential because it's, it's a word that, that makes you feel like, you know, I could do better and I didn't do better. But the truth is that a person has an amazing, crazy potential. And therefore, to tell a person who saw death and walked out and now values life, take the potential of your child and destroy it, he can't do it. It's impossible to do. Now, Ramavina was willing to do it this week's Pasha. But that came to the point that we always learn this message that he already shechted him. And that one of his pipes were already cut. And that the Malachim had to take Yitzchak to the next world, to Ganeiden. And he had to stay up there for three years while they sewed him back together again. And we talk about this every year. I don't really have time today, Mitch, and maybe next week I'll talk about it. It's, a, it's an amazing 
Um, Rav Chaim Vital brings down this whole story. It's an amazing, amazing story, and that's his neshama, that Yitzhak had a neshama of a female, and he wouldn't have been able to have children. It's a new ridiculous thing. I'll tell it to you. Anyway, I'll, I'll tell it to you. No, because it's something you have to hear. You have to hear this. It's connected. It's connected to, to everything that I'm saying. Many things happen in our life that we look at and we say, Hashem, how could you do this to me? Listen to this. It's an amazing... It's brought down Rav Chaim Vital. It's brought down the Avas Chaim. And it's brought down in a medrash. Listen to this medrash. It's amazing. So here, Akash Bochel, this week's pastor, comes to Avram Avinu and tells Avram Avinu, I wanted you to shecht your only son. Now, anyone in this room would say, that's not a really loving God. Here's someone who jumped in the fire. His whole life is about helping everybody else. He tries to save Sadaim, Right? He's the man. Why would you do this to him? Right? So the Akedas Yitzchak looks very unfair. Listen to this medrash. Yitzchak Avinu was born with a female neshama. Yitzhak Avinu was an Akara. He could not have children. A man with a female neshama cannot have children. So he could not have children. Kosh Baruch Hu said to Avram Avinu to do the Akedas Yitzchak. Avram Avinu's question to Kosh Baruch Hu was, you promised me, listen to this, you promised me children. From, those, from Yitzchak is going to come the Jewish nation. Now you're telling me to kill him. How's that going to work? Kishbaruch said, don't ask questions. When I tell you to do something, you do it. But logically, we would all sit there and say, if it's going to come from Yitzchak, and Yitzchak's dead, it's not going to happen. Right? He wasn't even married at that point. So it couldn't happen. It's not like maybe his wife's pregnant. Yitzchak was a single boy. Right? So how, does it, how could this work? Abraham Avinu, Yetzirah, came to him and said, you know, Yetzirah said, you heard Hashem wrong, because Hashem promised you on one side that you're going to have children, and from that's going to come Chai Yisrael. And, and that was Yitzchak. And now you're killing Yitzchak. must be that what you thought Hashem said, it wasn't Hashem, it was the Satan. It was misinformation. So that's how we try to twist. Abraham said, no, it was Hashem. I don't understand what God's doing. He told me it's coming from Yitzchak. Now he's telling me to kill Yitzchak. I don't understand. Now let's look at what was going on in heaven. So, the, so Rav Chaim Vital says, from the Sefer Gugulim, that he could not have children. So what happened? Akedas Yitzchak says that Avraham Avinu took the, took the sword and he cut, and, and when you do shechita on, on something, so you have to cut both pipes, the windpipe and the food pipe, and then the person's dead, or the animal's dead. He already had cut the food pipe. And when he had cut the food pipe, the malachim, he was so into doing the Akedah that the malachim took Yitzchak and brought him up to Shemayim. This is what it says. It's desire also. Took him up to Shemayim to Ganeiden. Now, what happened? When he shechted that one windpipe, Yitzhak became very scared. When Yitzhak, the food pipe, when Yitzhak became very scared, his neshama left. The nekeva neshama left. And in its place, they put a zachar nekeva, a zachar neshama. Where did that nekeva neshama go? On the day, says the Medrash, that the Akedas Yitzchak, who was born? Rivka. So Yitzchak's female neshama went to that baby that was born as Rivka. He got a Zachar neshama, and therefore he was able to have children. So now let's look at this picture. <coughs> HaKadosh Baruch Hu promised him that from Yitzchak will come children and the only way for Yitzchak to have children is to have a Kedas Yitzchak. So what looked like the worst thing, a, a contradiction. God, you're saying it's coming from him. Then you tell me to kill him. Looks like, God, you don't know what you're doing. It's a total contradiction. Hashem says, no. It can only work if we do this. Because he can't have children like this. We have to bring our Kedas Yitzchak. You have to cut one of his... Pipes, the neshama has to leave and go to Rizka. He has to get a new neshama. Without an Akedas Yitzchak, there's no Kla Yisrael. I'll show it to you inside. I'll show it to you inside. Written inside. I said this many years ago. I got calls. What the hell? If Chaim Vital spells it out very clearly. So in our life, we see things that are terrible and things that are going wrong. And we're like, I don't understand. Rabbi said if I dive in, if I do this in 40 days, I'm going to have a zibug and a shidduch. And Hashem says, well, I don't understand Hashem. He tells me to daven, and then and this happened to me. And he tells me to put a thrill and that happens to me. We're trying to figure out the cheshman of Hashem. You see here how things that mamish contradict each other, mom really contradict each other, that look like Hashem doesn't know what he's doing, just the opposite. Without doing that, he would have had no children. It would have never happened. And we, and, we, and we see it many times in the Torah. This is not the only place we see it. We see it many times in the Torah. Many times in the Torah. Other question later on, a couple of postures from now, 
Terrible situation. You can become a, an apicurus from it. Here you have Leah. She has six kids, right? She has six kids. And now she's pregnant with the seventh child. And she says to Hashem, what are we going to do? And it was a boy. She knew it was a boy, right? Uh, it was a sonogram, but whatever. They had easier ways to know. But she knew that it was a boy. So she dived into Hashem. And she said to Hashem, how could I have another boy? If I have another boy, that gives me seven boys. Zilpa, the maidservant, has two already. Bila has two. That's 11. That means that Rachel, there's 12 Shvatim. Rachel's only going to have one boy. Which means that my sister Rachel is going to have less children than the maidservants. Hashem, that's, you can't do that. You can't do that. Right? So what happens? It's amazing. It's the same thing. So what happens? She davens that her sister, her sister shouldn't be embarrassed, that they should change the baby that's in her womb. It was already after 40 days. Hashem should do a miracle and change this little boy into a girl. Now, we'd all sit there and say, what a tzaddikista, what a fantastic woman. She was willing to give this up that her sister shouldn't get embarrassed. Kachaya, who's born? Dina. What happens to Dina? She goes out, she gets raped. Hashem, that's how you pay back? That's how you pay back Leah? She went ahead, it would have been a boy, he wouldn't have been raped. So she went ahead, she davened to you, Hashem, because she didn't want to hurt her sister. She davened that you should change it to a girl, and that's what you do to the girl. She walks up to Shechem, she gets raped, you couldn't protect her? That's the reward? Can you imagine Leah going home and saying, this is why I wanted a girl, she should be raped by Shechem? This is how you pay me back? I lost a Shevet? I gave up a Shevet. Shevet in Christ is not something small. I gave up a Shevet? For this? Terrible. Any one of us that learns this is like, God, what's up with you? But now, let's look at the end of the story. So from that rape, Dina became pregnant. And she had a little baby girl. And the baby girl was born from this rape. And Klaistrol, the, the, the brothers, they didn't want this girl in the house. She's born from, from a girl from Shechem. We don't want her here. So they sent her, Yaakov Avinu sent her away. He put an amulet on her, on her neck, like a, what do they call it in Hebrew, a uh, kameah on her neck. Brings down the medrash, the malachim came, they took this baby, and they put her, dropped her in Mitzrayim. Who's walking by in Mitzrayim? Who's walking by? Potiphar's wife. Potiphar's wife sees this little baby, she adopts her. And they named the baby Asnas. And her name is Asnas Bas Potiphera. And this Asnas Bas Potiphera, who's now living in Mitzrayim, is growing up in the same house, the Yosef HaTzadik is sold to. She has, she has the Kamea. Yosef HaTzadik is going through, through Mitzrayim. He has a problem. He can't, he doesn't want to marry a guy. He's Yosef HaTzadik. He's tall. He's holy. He doesn't want to marry a non-Jewish woman. What's he going to do? But he's not going to stay single in Mitzrayim. And they're parading him through Mitzrayim. And what they used to do is the girls used to throw something with their name on it. Right? And then you'd pick it up and say, okay, this is the one I want to go out with. And all of a sudden, laying on his feet is a Kamea from his father. From his father. So he looks at it, he says, who does this belong to? And he tracks down Asnas Masbaitifera, who was born from Leah, right? A half-sister. And he ends up marrying her because she's Jewish. Her mother was, Le- her mother was Leah. She's Jewish. I mean, her mother is Dina. She's Jewish. He got himself a Jewish wife. What happens? Who's born? Menashe and Ephraim. So she gave up one Shevet. And she ended up getting two. Leah gave up having a boy one Shevet. And in the end, she got Ephraim and Menashe. Ephraim and Menashe's grandmother. Right? If you go back, Ephraim and Menashe comes all the way back to Leah. It's, it's Rachel and Leah mixed. Because Yosef was from one side. And Asnas was pretty fair was from the other side. So when you don't see the end of the story, when you only see what's happening to you, and we don't see the end of the story, we keep thinking, Hashem is not fair. How can he do this? She prayed, she prayed, she prayed. She gave up one shaven. That's what happens. She gave up one shaven, and through this whole thing, she ended up with two. And kahena, 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 it happens very, very many times in the Torah. Therefore, the true emunah of Avram Avinu was that even though it didn't make sense to him what was going on, he went weiter. The true Amuna of this man who had a Leviah today and there was a whole 15 people by his Leviah. That's it. 15 people. And 
12 women and 6 Ornava girls. And I stood by the Levi, I said, Kodesh Baruch Hu, there should be a million people by this man's Leviah. He went through Gehenna, and all he did the rest of his life was good, 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 collecting for people till one o'clock. My nechama to this was that it's brought down that the smaller the Leviah for a person, the higher the place he sits in the next world. <clears throat> because he doesn't get covered on this world, they give him covered on the next world. And that the Lamed Vav, secret tzaddikim in the world, get very small Leviahs because nobody knows that they're tzaddikim. He understood what we don't understand. And he didn't have a car and air conditioning. <laughs> and he wasn't growing up as a kid, going to basketball games and hockey games and baseball games. There was no youth for him. He told me, he says, I feel bad, I don't know how to learn. And he knew how to learn very well. He says, because in the days of learning, I was running. Or I was in Auschwitz. He didn't have our youth. We're so busy! I can't learn! I can't sit! I can't this! This man's going through Auschwitz, you understand? Watching his whole family go down. And he says, I didn't have a youth. And you know what I miss about my youth? Not the football, the basketball game, my bicycle, my moped, my new car. He says, Rabbi Wallstein, I lost the best years of my life. From what? I couldn't learn. There was no swarm in Auschwitz. There was no swarm in the Lutz ghetto. That's what I missed. And we said, ah, too busy. Watch TV, let's go to the movies, let's go shoot pool, let's go do this. And you get older. You know what they say? A young fool becomes a old fool. And you get older, and then by the time you realize that your potential is beginning to wind down, you don't have the kayak for it anymore. So I'm coming to you tonight. Baruch Hashem, it's a very young crowd. And I'm telling you, don't waste your time. Don't have to have a near death experience to realize what life is. Don't wait for that, because near-death experience sometimes gets past the word near and becomes chas a death experience, and then it's too late. And this was Avram Avinu. Avram Avinu sat by the door, and he made things happen. You know, in business, they tell you that? Don't sit inside on your phone. I tell my salesman, don't wait till they call you in the office. Get out there. Pound the pavement, man. Get out there, ring bells, make things happen. Abraham Avinu made things happen. He ran outside, he was outside. He didn't wait till the mitzvahs came to him. He ran to the mitzvahs. That's just a synopsis. It's late, it's 11.25. Just a little bit of a synopsis of, of this week's Pasha. A teeny little tidbit. Now, I want to end. I'd like you to turn off the... You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.